What the If is brought to you by listeners like you, thanks to our Patreon members, patreon.com slash whattheif. Go there now and find out how you can become a member and get all kinds of cool rewards. And thank you for supporting our mission for science education and science fun. Welcome to what the if. Survival of the Ifist Edition. Ah. A $10 pun. I had to go a long <laughs> way. I had to go a long way for that one. Thank you, Patreon supporters, for uh, allowing us to afford that joke. Um, <laughs> um, good morning uh, to those of you listening in the morning. Uh, good afternoon to those of you listening in the afternoon, and good evening to those of you who just woke up no matter what time of day it is. Uh, I'm documentary filmmaker uh, Philip Shane, and this is What the If, the science podcast that says, huh? Um, the, the, any, any podcast that has a question mark in its title, you know, it's in a special category. And um, nodding in affirmation uh, on this audio-only podcast is uh, Professor Matthew Stanley from New York University. How are you, sir? Um, I'm feeling relatively fit. Um, <laughs> like I could, I could get through the day. Yeah. Um, I've already passed on my genes, so <laughs> I'm, I'm good to go. Right. I, I can be, I can be dispensed with from the species now. That'd right. Good to go. You sold your genes at the thrift store. Um, <laughs> <laughs> two for one sale as it were. Yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Uh, cause Matt has twins. Now you get it. Um, also with us. Virologist extraordinaire, at uh, which I think has to be approved by the uh, French Academy of Science, um, is uh, we have with us Gabby Panicia from Rockefeller University, a virologist. Uh, how are you, Gabby? You know, I'm feeling like my fitness is going to be tested because uh, I saw you ever you ever do something like six or eight months in advance, and then you like. It's something like audacious and you're like hyped for it and you're like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And then you yeah. forget about it. Yeah. yeah. I signed up for a, an obstacle course race and it's now tomorrow morning. <laughs> oh no. Uh. And I ran this one last year with a friend and like, in some ways I am more fit than I was then. I am, I am, I run a little bit sometimes. I'm a little faster that way. Um, but, uh, you know, I still haven't tested my fitness in any way against the, like, eight-foot wall I'm going to have to scale tomorrow. So wow. You guys are going to hear me probably talk about how assortedly battered and bruised that I, I got over the course of this. Wow. That's impressive. Does it happen rain or shine? It's supposed to be kind of rainy tomorrow. It will probably happen rain or shine and yeah. thus be an added component of I will end this race additionally gross. Or maybe I, I don't actually have to take a shower then because the sweat is just getting washed off me. I have no idea. Yeah. No, this uh, sounds fantastic. This sounds from, from It's going to be interesting. Yeah. From movies I've seen of uh, Army Boot Camp, because that's about as close as I would get to Army Boot Camp as a movie. Uh, when they do it in the mud, it's, all, it's extra dramatic. So mm -hmm. yeah. it should be quite spectacular. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm just imagining taking like the subway back, like fully caked in mud, like some yeah. kind of like gross cryptid. Yeah. You'll make like, some friends. Sorry, guys. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. Excuse um, me, I'm just trying to move to the middle of the car. Let's like, <laughs> uh, 
So, uh, Matt, maybe you could help our uh, listeners um, who are at the moment completely befuddled and questioning their choices in life. Um, yeah. Understand, help them understand what what have they tuned into here in Radio um, Land. I'm afraid you've tuned into a full-on distortion of reality. Um, <laughs> we're going to be changing important things about the way the universe functions. Um, and then seeing what consequences that, that brings us. And, um, sometimes we learn some things, uh, along the way. Sometimes we destroy the universe. Um, we'll see. That's right. That's right. We, we guarantee that if you, if the, if the universe does survive, uh, or is somehow, um, barely reassembled at the end, that you will make it to a cocktail party at which you could use some of the things you learned today to yes, impress. that's right. Others, which, you know, could be of value. That's what it's all um, about. Right. Start with impressing people who are half drunk. You know, this is a low bar. And you can work your way up to actual um, people who are not drunk, like the students in Matt's class, we presume. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Gabby, you, uh, you bring the if this week. Sometimes our ifs come from listeners. Other times they come from uh, the newspaper. Uh, the news websites, or uh, sometimes they come from real-life interactions that our hosts have in this world. Uh, and so, Gabby, how did you uh, come to? How did this? Where did this idea come from? How did this land in your in your brain? Yeah. So this idea sort of came about because I was in an Uber on a way to an HHMI conference, and like you know, just kind of like. My Uber driver was talkative, so you know you'd make small talk, and he and found H -H out. You know, H H M I, which is uh, is what it's a Howard Hughes deal. Yeah, it's Howard Hughes Medical Institute. I actually don't know what the la what the I is, but it's yeah. uh it's both. They have both an actual research facility, which is their Genelia campus, and also are a huge funder of scientific research. Mm -hmm. um, so they, there are HHMI investigators, people whose work is funded by HHMI, mm. and they have these annual meetings that are only for HHMI investigators and their you know students and postdocs, and mm. also HHMI fellows. I have an HHMI Gilliam Fellowship, so mm. I'm invited to these things. Um, and it's, it's fun. I get to, talk, you know, you get to hear a lot of good science and like, you get to talk to a lot of cool people. Um, so it's always just like kind of a good time. And like, you know, my cohort of it, Gilliam fellows is like tight. Um, but I was in an Uber on the way to that conference. And then my Uber driver after, you know, finding out I was a scientist was like very interested to sort of like, just get like a bunch of like questions answered. And one of the ones that came up was that he was like, he, it became clear in the course of the conversation that he thought that humans were very, very weak as a species. He's like, we're, we're like the weakest thing on earth. Cause you know, we, we couldn't fight a bear. Like, you know, I was like, and I, I realized that there's this idea of survival of the fittest that is only the fastest or the biggest or the strongest. That's and right. that's not really the way that the rest of the universe works. Sometimes it's like survival of the weirdest. Cause if you're the only one doing that thing, you are kind of free from competition. Huh. But then, of course, that got me wondering how weird the world would look if it was only the biggest and the fastest and the strongest that survived. Yes, yeah. yes. And so, um, Matt, uh, again, advise our listeners in uh, the reason and and the safety protocols themselves and the, re the reason we have these safety protocols. Those are, the fanfare is coming. 
Like people uh, should prepare. Well, in this case, it sounds like we're going to be endangering um, what the old scientists used to call our germline, um, our ability to, to pass on our, our genes to our, um, our descendants. Um, so I would recommend getting one of those um, uh, lead aprons they put on you at the x-ray <laughs> yes. place um, and wrapping your, your nethers in that um, uh, or putting aside um, some, uh, some genetic material for future use uh, in case something goes wrong. I think Wrapping Your Nethers is one of my favorite country songs. Um, <laughs> and so we ask, what the if? So what is it, Gabby? It's what the if survival of the fittest meant was taken literally. Yeah. What if Charles Darwin had no imagination and took everything literally and being the fittest meant only being fit. So uh, we're, are, are, we fade up on the first scene of this new universe uh, where these new rules apply. And what do we see, Gabby? Pterodactyls? Yeah. Or, so, yeah. Well, I feel like... <laughs> Well, honestly, maybe, right? Um, this is going to be a universe that's going to be pretty different from the one that we're currently inhabiting. So I to kind of maybe counter the initial misconception, survival of the fittest isn't always about like physically the strongest, right? It is the fittest for a specific situation. That situation can just be passing on your genes. It can be acquiring food so that you survive to pass on your genes, there are a whole, like, a host of different ways that fitness can be described. And it's, like, one of these things where fitness sometimes is measured on the level of species and organisms at the same time. You can think about how, like, frogs have a million babies and most of them don't make it. It doesn't mean that frogs aren't fit. They just use a different reproductive strategy that works for their species' lifestyle and their fitness overall as a whole is fine with that. Um, but the idea instead that only the creatures that are the biggest and the fastest and the strongest survive is interesting because it means that whatever this new world is, there's not really a diversity of exploitable ecological niches. So what I mean by, like, ecological niches is that, like, you've probably remember, like, there are scavengers, there are, like, the primary producers, which is, like, the plants, and then there are, like, the herbivores and the carnivores. There's all of those different roles, and there's plenty of different, very specific ways that organisms can fill, that can be in one of those roles and can fill even tinier little niches. Um, right. You know, feel, 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 ooh, I hear myself again. Go ahead. Phil, do you hear me? Do you hear? Speaking of Phil, I hear myself got, over and over. I hear several of you. Yeah. <laughs> I'll fix that. But uh, but you fit. You fit. Actually, that's what it is, right? It's like in other words, each one of those uh, creatures fits into the ecology somehow of the space. Is that is that where fittest comes from? Uh in in a way. So like, there's there's fittest as in like. Yeah, best suited for that niche, that ecology. Best suited, yeah, um, yeah. I think that that's a pretty fair interpretation. Yeah, 
Matt, what did so I think the whole uh, before we go into the the crazy version, which is the fun place we're going, um, mm-hmm. our launching places it comes around from this uh, how we interpret Darwin's word fittest. Isn't that the whole deal? Yeah, so I should say the phrase survival of the fittest actually doesn't come from Chuck himself, um, oh. but rather his slightly insane cousin, um, Francis Galton, um, who has a, um, I don't know, a lot of the things we associate with evolutionary thinking actually come from um, Darwin's buddies rather than him. Um, the uh, the subtitle of Origin of Species refers to the struggle for survival, um, which is what we, we, we read that way. Um, and uh, yeah, so in Darwinian terms, uh, in the way um, Charles thought about it, is um, fitness was uh, what lets you have children that then are able to survive and have their own children. Um, so it's this kind of forward-looking thing. Um, and he didn't have the, the category of genes that we have today, so he didn't articulate it that way. Um, but rather this sense of... Um, uh, your descendants surviving and making it from there. <laughs> interesting, interesting. And Gabby, what, you were going to say something. Yeah, just based on that is like, if I remember correctly, Darwin was always pretty perplexed by the peacock because <laughs> you have this big, bright colored chicken with a gigantic <laughs> tail that is hunted by tigers. It's and, and the tail makes it very, very difficult for them to sort of fly. So it's like, all right, how did we get this thing? How did we get the rainbow chicken? And <laughs> essentially, it is because of what Matt said, that there is an element of fitness that is just how fast can you pass on your genes and keep growing? And that male peacock is incentivized to be as loud and as crazy and as brightly colored as possible so that females pick it. It can pass on its genes and then after that, if the tiger gets it, it's it's fine. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of a thing God. where it's the the adaptations to passing on your genes and essentially continuing your line and in the interim eking out whatever survival you have to may be really weird because this selection is just dependent on what gets passed on. And in a funny way, we also sometimes see this on the level of genes. There's these things called, self- this is me getting into a little bit of an aside, but I think it's a fun one. There are these things called selfish genes <laughs> where... Yeah, yeah. If they're not inherited along with another gene, they will nuke the fitness of the resulting organism. So there's one <laughs> in flies that has to be inherited along with another gene or elsewise it like makes that male fly sterile. And so it's interesting because same thing in like survival of the fittest, it's essentially running a protection racket on the level of genes. But because that resulting organism is completely sterile if those genes don't get inherited together, what's going to keep getting passed along is the combination of those genes. So the thing about like the whole air quote survival of the fittest is that it can wind up being such a weirder thing. And I think calling it fittest in some ways flattens the idea of what actually what Darwin was saying, what Matt pointed out that it's about just passing on your genes and continuing the line of whatever it is, whatever creature it is that you are. Right. So if we're, we're changing fittest to strongest now, then, um, actually, Matt, maybe turn on your, see if your echo cancellation is not turned on. It might be a difference. Riverside is giving us trouble today. The app is responding slowly. Give me a sec. So, Gabby, so fittest, uh, 
and we're, we're changing fittest to mean strongest in our contemporary sense, right? So what happens to Rainbow Chicken, the peacock? Yeah, it's dead. <laughs> I mean, think about it, right? Because if, it, well, I'll say maybe rather not just strongest, but maybe strongest and fastest. I'll give okay. us two. Okay, all right. Um, so either Rainbow Chicken now has to be the fastest thing on earth, or it has to be the strongest thing in the place where it is. Right. So right. maybe it's not the strongest or fastest thing on the planet, but I still think maybe it's just a matter of where it is. So if the peacocks only exist in this one isolated valley that has no predator that is stronger or faster, then it doesn't matter that they can't really fly too well. And then they're perfectly fine. Right. But as soon as like a bear wanders into the valley... And he's hungry for peacock. And destroys everything. Yes. Yeah. And extincts the entire line of peacocks that would have been evolving in that valley for thousands of years. Right. Millions of years. Or I like the idea of the super super peacock has evolved, right? So a stronger, um, Mm -hmm. or faster, but uh, able to fight back or evade in some way. Yeah. Exactly. Darwin would not have been mystified by the peacock if he had seen a super peacock, right? Probably not. Yeah. yeah. So like our population of peacocks in our little peaceful valley, one of them moves to a different environment that's a lot harsher. And that peacock maybe has to get some gains. Yeah. Uh, the, the line of peacocks that's able to survive. If like, you know, say like 100 peacocks go move to a different valley and the slowest of them get killed off and like the slowest and weakest of them get killed off by some type of, I don't know, let's say small bear that exists in the other valley. I'll keep with the bears and the peacocks, even yes. though I don't think there are, I think their primary predator is like tigers. Okay. Anyway. Um, could be tigers. We'll go with tigers. Could be tigers. Yeah, uh, I, I like cats, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like, say there's a population of like small tigers in the other valley and the peacocks can mostly either outrun these guys or for some reason just i don't know flip them like they they've got the gains to go tiger tipping um <laughs> then out of that population of 100 peacocks that initially got there only a small chunk is going to have survived and that said that that's like four peacocks right so right. essentially those four peacocks are going to be the founder population from which the super peacock is is created and that happens because every next generation, every next new little crop of peacocks have to be able to flip tigers and outrun tigers. Yeah. And only those will survive until the point that, let's say, eventually in this only the strongest and fittest survive, they're going to eventually wipe out the tigers. Yeah. Because the peacocks that can flip the tigers, I guess, eventually start preying on the tigers and then oh, you have okay. or at least neutralize the tigers yeah and then you have a cascade of i guess your super peacocks that have not only survived fighting tigers you know throughout thousands of generations and having perfected adaptations to fight tigers um yeah then they're no longer going to have the tigers as an evolutionary pressure and in this scenario it sounds like out uh, in this scenario, dazzling the tigers with their plumage, or v you know, voguing, putting on a show, and <laughs> dazzling the tigers and hypnotizing them doesn't. That's not. That's not going to work now. In other words, that would work in our current world, where survival of the fittest means you can 
make yourself fit for the environment in many different ways. But but by dancing, you know, it's not necessarily being the strongest. This is the world you, the world building scenario that you're creating right now is involves just brute force or or speed. Yeah. So like you know, plenty of organisms have the the strategy that's like let's breed a ton. And so that we don't have to worry and like make a ton of babies. And so that we don't have to worry necessarily about how many of them get eaten by tigers. Mm, right. Right. So now that strategy just doesn't work. Now there's, right. there's some other reason why having a ton of babies doesn't work unless each one of those babies is the strongest thing in its environment, which maybe mm. has to do with internal competition within the species or scarcer resources. Um, one thing that we didn't really talk about here is that, you know, Peacocks are eating like assorted bugs and uh-huh. plants and stuff like that. Um, those are also now under evolutionary pressure to be Ooh. the fittest and the strongest. Oh, yeah. So if okay. only the fastest and the strongest bugs are surviving, then well, well. things are going to kind of maybe go extinct faster because there's not other, there is no other definition of fitness. So intrinsically, any amount of like, predation that's sort of part of the life cycle of everything on earth energy chains are going to have to be so much shorter uh, mm. because there can't be as much of a diversity oh, can what you is tell that- a bit about what an energy chain is and what mm-hmm. it means for it to be short yeah so essentially like this is like the food web that you've probably seen people talk about except food webs are insanely insanely complicated once you actually really break them down mm. So I think we're sort of getting into a territory, right, where these are going to be very, very simple webs because there is no room for the plants whose strategy is to just, you know, keep growing uh, slowly and be eaten some and, you know, keep going. Or the insects whose strategy is to breed a ton or evade or, you know, maybe hide. Uh, they can't hide now because the, in this new world, the only paradigm is to be bigger and faster and stronger. So, interesting. Okay, so what's what's the equivalent of big and strong for a plant? Because it it can't be fast and it doesn't really fight back. I'd imagine that maybe every plant has to be really, really difficult to eat. Mm, okay. Or, yeah, because. The other thought that I had was sort of in the hide realm where you have plenty of plants that store their nutrients in like tubers and root systems that are like deep below. But that's kind of a hiding mechanism. Yeah. So every plant would need to be super woody and kind of Mm, gross, mm, mm. maybe like a stone plant sort of thing where like there's nothing that you can really get at under there. Yeah. Or it could be a plant that punches you in the face. Oh, I like that. Yeah, like a Venus flytrap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Only more violent. Like, but, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a Venus flytrap, but it's just one big extendo punching glove. <laughs> and I think that that's... I, the Muhammad I, Ali plan. Yeah, yeah I, I had a really great mental image in my head of like a, a peacock going past one of those and the plant just goes doing yeah. and <laughs> launches the peacock. Exactly, exactly. All right, so does this set up particularly privileged predators or prey? Or is that, I don't, I mean, I get the sense that like weird ecological niches in our reality tend to favor prey because it gives them a way to kind of outmaneuver the predator. But maybe I'm wrong about that. Have have we created you know, a universe think, that's... 
Well, what does that mean? Just first, what does that mean? Privileged, right? Um, well, the sense that so in our reality, like Gabby was saying, if you're a frog, you don't have to be the strongest frog on the block. You can just have an enormous amount of sex and have lots and lots mm-hmm. of offspring, um, and that gets around the fact that you're a tasty critter um, yeah. because the predators can never eat all of your children. So you uh-huh. still get to be like, yes, I've I've won by yeah. by passing my genes on. Um, so that's a different. So that's a different strategy than just trying to like fight back or to be faster. Um, so that way, so the, uh, the way I kind of conceive it is that the, the current reality is better for prey species because there's more, there's more ways to mm. get away from a predator or to outmaneuver a predator right, than there right. are to be a predator, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. So I'm wondering if in our new reality, we've messed with that in some way. Um, so I don't know if that means like our our food webs are going to be differently shaped or something because predators will dominate. Yeah, I think maybe it's it's kind of I agree with you Matt. I think that that's a very correct assumption that you know food webs do kind of reach a, a triangle in a way where there are only a few big predators that are not prey themselves. Okay. And okay. for those kind of creatures Generally, like if you look at lions on the savannah, they spend a lot of time just chilling because they have to do a little bit more risk assessment of what's worth the energy to take down Mm. versus the big herbivores. The big herbivores, it's always in their best interest to be super aggressive and defensive because anything might try to eat them. They are just big sacks of calories, uh, which is why like hippos are like extremely dangerous creatures. They're just big Uh, herbivores and they know that they're big sacks of calories, so they have to... They have to make you work for those. Um, smaller carnivores are also like one of those weird reach, like ecological niches where they can be prey themselves, but do prey on smaller things. Uh, okay. um, but I, th- I think Matt, you're also very right too. Where I think I'm thinking of like isolated environments, which do become sort of weird niches where you wind up with islands with all of these like flightless birds or giant insects or things that are changed because they do not have the predators that they do in other environments. And so like you have all those like flightless birds in New Zealand that don't need to fly anymore because they were like, yeah, we don't need flight. There's nothing that's going to try to eat us. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. we introduced cats and now all of a sudden there is. Uh Um, So in trying to think of what this does to ecosystems, it is really weird. I can't tell if it would now favor the predators or it would become a thing where it's almost impossible to be a, I can't tell if it would be almost impossible to be like a, an herbivore, like grazer type or like omnivore kind of creature that like eats bugs because now the bugs are also like, it's not enough that they just produce a lot of bugs, which is normally how it works. Mm -hmm. Now all the bugs need to be super bugs. So I feel like I'm a, on every single level, it becomes hard to imagine what this would look like because you have no touchstone that's the same. Well, the interesting thing seems to be that uh, the key ingredient of what Darwin was getting at and, and the key ingredient of our actual world is missing in this world, which is a balance, right? It sounds like there's no, there's no, there's no balance because in saying something is the strongest, you're immediately saying... Or at the moment, anyway, we haven't found a way for there to be a balance. In other words, 
what would ultimately happen is that perhaps there would be there would have to be at least two creatures um, who are equally strong in different ways in some way, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you, you bring a good point of like, when we say strongest, we mean in what way? Physically uh, capable uh-huh. of lifting the most, physically right. capable of like, you know, running the farthest, you know, throwing something the hardest. Right. When we say the fastest, in what way? The fastest moving, the fastest to breed, the fastest to grow. Mm. These mm-hmm. are all different metrics in like the way that things actually work in the natural world. Right. But if we're just talking about like locomotion speed and I guess brute like strength, like strongman style, that is a very narrow definition mm-hmm. of what yeah. fits that all of a sudden. Well, let's just go with strongest because I think the fun thing is that is the misinterpretation or the narrow interpretation of the word fittest. Right is I think we all yes. your Uber driver was thinking strongest right, yeah not fastest. I thought it was funny applied yeah. to people. Yeah, too. yeah. Okay, so what does the human world look like? Where strength is the only thing that nature respects. Yeah, so I mean, as people, part of the thing that made us able to spread to so many places is that we are extremely adaptable and we function in groups. Ah, So one of Mm -hmm. our adaptations is that we are a social species, which means that even if one of us is not strong enough individually to punch a bear and knock it out, 10 of us throwing rocks is probably enough to, Mm. you know, either bring down or scare off a bear, which is all we really needed coupled with our actually kind of insane ability to eat almost everything. I don't know if this is something that like, you, like I feel like we don't clock this, especially now, like everything we eat is a processed snack food. Right. Mm-hmm. That like you don't know how much we can eat. But like think about all of the stuff that is toxic to like your dog or your cat that's like in your regular food, yeah. like garlic, mm-hmm. chocolate, grapes, like all of these things are like <laughs> lethal to like any other animal. And we're like, oh, it's just a little bit spicy. Like that's that's it. We don't really care. Um, that's an amazing adaptation of people. But now all of a sudden, we can't be social species because it's only about the strength of an individual. Mm, yeah, that's right. Uh, we, it, do, it doesn't matter how much we can eat because that's suddenly not in the metric here. Uh, it only really matters if we can ourselves individually one hit KO a bear, I guess. I think intelligence doesn't develop either. Well, because intelligence isn't a, a obviously right. good strategy for punching a bear, right? Yeah. So, so are we just quickly pushed towards all being Arnold Schwarzenegger all the time? <laughs> Maybe, right? Because I so in this, I've been trying to like assess what would be when we say like you know evolution and like evolutionary pressures. Often, the evolutionary pressure is like who is trying to eat you. That's making you. That's that's. Whoa, the noise! I think Matt, you just turned on your uh, computer mic. (laughs) (laughs) The Tyrannosaurus has attacked Matt (laughs) and destroyed our audio. And Gabby's mute. Everything's gone. Gabby's gone crazy. Matt's back. Okay. All right. We're all back. That was amazing. Just as we were talking about all becoming Arnold Schwarzeneggers, we became extremely weak. And probably face his of copyright some... protection. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Gary. Arnold Schwarzenegger's aura just does that. <laughs> um, yeah. 
So essentially, the thing that I've been trying to figure out in this whole wackadoodle scenario, right, is what is the pressure that's making us need to be mm. so strong? So when we talk about, you know, uh, evolutionary yeah. pressures, it's often like, what's eating you that you're trying to avoid, that your descendants are being like, forced to move a certain way, like evolutionarily to get away from. Um, so in this, I've been trying to figure out what is smiting those of us who are not up to Schwarzenegger strength. Mm -hmm. Like, do we need to 1v1 bears because bears are our only source of food now? Are all of the bears holding captive all of the opposite sex and therefore the only way for humans to reproduce is fight an individual like is this like a dragon guarding a castle scenario thing where you just have to go and you have to go punch a bear and then you you get the princess <laughs> that's what i've been trying to figure out in this which kind of makes this such a weird scenario so maybe we can invent some arbitrary force that's like aliens have come to earth and they are zapping everybody who's not schwarzenegger level yeah. yeah. Just get really far out with how this is being enforced on a planet-wide scale in a way that it, I don't think it would actually happen ever in nature. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, Matt, as we wrap up, Matt, what what becomes the top predator in this well, brute force? I mean, if, What's the if, top it is, brute? if it is just brute force, then it's going to be size and speed. Um, these days, that's probably polar bears. What's oh. the biggest, most ferocious? Ah, uh, yeah, maybe a polar. As far as like actual carnivores go, yeah, yeah, I'll, uh, maybe I'll give it to polar bears. Maybe I can't think of something that's. If you go by like kill success, it's actually something really weird, like a like a uh, savannah cat or something like that. Oh, really interesting. Um, okay. Um, but I think, but then the evolutionary pressures are going to make everything big and strong. So yeah. maybe we are headed back to dinosaur territory then. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. The inverse cube law is going to shut things down relatively fast, but we can at least get to, you know, brontosaurus size um, going around stomping things. Interesting. And I would say to get truly, to be truly the global top. Uh, I was going to say top chef, but top brute. <laughs> <laughs> you would have to be, I, I think that would have to be uh, an amphibious creature, right? You'd have to be stronger than all the creatures on land and all the creatures in the sea. And that, that's who really wins. Otherwise, you know, it's some, no, or at some point, it becomes like Godzilla versus Mothra or whatever, one of those things. There will be a pol one polar bear or a species of polar bear that takes over all the land. Meanwhile, in the ocean, there's going to be another race going on with some, you know, super... Uh, predators yeah. there and then eventually they will have to fight well it's funny i think i said before the show like i was imagining like if for in order for this to work the only way i could see it working would be in like environments that are somehow like very like pocketed like they were separated from each mm -hmm. other somehow so that like you could get this crazy speciation yeah it happening individually on pockets and that would be the only way that you get like diversity i did look it up in the like highest kill success predator thing because it is uh, a lineup that you do not expect Number one, at about 95%, are dragonflies. What? African, yeah, apparently. So maybe we're going back to what area was it? The Cambrian with like the giant dinner plate sized dragonflies. Wow. Super uh, high okay. atmospheric mm -hmm. oxygen content. And it's just dragonflies have taken over. African wild dogs apparently have like an 80% success rate. 
The one that I was thinking of that was weird was African black-footed cats. by a 60% success rate. And if you Google them, they just look like little kitties. <laughs> just really cute little guys. So it's just like really funny to think that like, you know, that they are little murder machines. Cheetahs is apparently like, you know, 60, like 58%, 60%. And peregrine falcons are like nearly 50. Oh, um, nice. So it's nice. predators are not. They, they what, don't always what, succeed. what does that mean? That, is, that succeed means what? How often they they kill on their first attempt or something? How do they rate that? Yeah, like if 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 a predator makes a move at a prey animal, like to actually try to chase it down or like jump at it to you know catch it out of the air, how yeah. often do they succeed on that attempt to catch prey? Ah, oh, wow. So dragonflies have what was it? A ninety nine percent? It's like ninety five. Yeah, they're ninety five percent attack wow. rate. Yeah, that's in pretty this new world, yeah. apparently the dragonfly is our new overlord. So not pterodactyls yeah. flying around. Apparently dragonflies. Yeah, oh. and it is I one, one that... welcome our new dragonfly overlords. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. And it's interesting that it, it is a creature that succeeds in two domains. If we can consider the air mm-hmm. to be another domain, you know, so it's on land and in the air, and uh, yeah, and eventually I suppose could fly over the ocean. And if any whales poke up, poke their heads up above the water, boom, they get dragonflied. You're down. Yeah. <laughs> or the dragonfly, well, dragonfly hauls the whale out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> like a big crane. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. and dragonfly nymphs are like, they have like a, a larva cycle in the water. Dragonfly nymphs are mean. Ah. They eat stuff too. Like I, I've heard of reports of like people getting them in their aquariums and then like they eat the fish because the dragonfly nymphs are like predatory right. themselves. So maybe, you know, the the whale doesn't even need to breach. It's just being savaged by gigantic dragonfly nymphs yeah. in the water <laughs> that then one day prospect. grow wings and ascend to the sky. And now I'm actually terrified. <laughs> yeah, I think the best interpretation of this whole thing is that we just have monstrous dragonflies that savage both the land and sea. Both phases of its life cycle are yeah. deeply yeah. fit and terrifying. Land, sea, and air. It's yeah, fantastic. That's right. All, all that's left is space. And they will conquer that too. <laughs> We're going to be attacked. That sounds like like a Heinlein story, right? We're going to be attacked by dra- <laughs> fl- dragonflies from space. Wow, we've totally doomed ourselves. What have we done? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just, totally fascinated by this imagery. Now yeah. it's it's going to haunt me. Your next story, maybe. Yeah. Considering, genuinely mm-hmm. considering. Yes, yes, and we throw out the challenge once again to our artists in the audience. <laughs> if you can draw this scenario of dragonflies. Was it monstrous dragonfly nymphs? Uh, you know, bring it. Harassing a whale. Send it to or, us. Or, you know, just the regular <laughs> dragonfly claw game. Bring yeah. a whale out of the water. Yeah. If dragonfly is doing anything you like, uh, watching TV after, you know, having binged on an entire, you know, uh, a platoon of tigers, something like that. Uh, bring it. So uh, this this was great. I, I always love these adventures where we never have any idea where they're going. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm always surprised where we got. Um, uh, Matt, do you have anything you want to plug uh, that's coming up? Anything exciting? Oh, um, to distract us from the dragonfly onslaught. No, I don't coming? think so. I'm pretty much just hoarding my dragonfly repellent um, and uh, bulking up, I guess. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> that's good. It's good to bulk up. Uh, Gabby, how about you? Are you? You do elaborate Halloween costumes, if I recall. Yes, I do. Unfortunately, I don't have one this year. So context for everybody else. Uh, last year, I was Cousin It. I made like the full thing. I was like covered in yarn. It was great. 
the year before that, I was a Jawa. And that was, I think, my favorite. Uh, it's a very good costume. Uh, fun fact, and I may have to provide you guys with some photos. We Capoeistas do Halloween hodas. So the big like wow. circle that we mm-hmm. play Capoeira in, we do Halloween events where people have the option of dressing up. And um, I will be bringing the Jawa to one of those. The Jawa is A, difficult to see in and B, difficult to breathe in. So the fact that I'm going to do martial arts in the Jawa is not great. But Cousin It is also extremely hard to see in and is like a hat-based thing. So I feel like that'd be a lot more difficult. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I will have to provide photos of how that goes uh, because I suspect it will be a very interesting enterprise. Yeah. That sounds awesome. And, and just a reminder that on Tatooine in our current universe, there are no Jawas because they've all been killed by the sand people. And maybe eventually the Banthas take over. I don't know. Wow. That's probably right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Stay t- that's going to be a great series. Banthas and sand people. Yeah. The next- or no, it's, it's Banth. It's, it would just be Banthas and uh, what's the other one? Crate dragons? They have oh, like oh, a, yeah, a yeah, sandworm dragons. thing. And that, yeah, that would yeah. be the biggest and strongest. That's right. That's right. That's right. So stay tuned for that series coming up on. Disney Plus. Um, thank you all for listening to this wild, wild adventure we've gone on. If you are our Patreon supporter, and only a Patreon supporter, your adventure isn't over yet. Stay in your cars. Keep your seatbelts fastened because there's more for you. Um, those of you who are not members of Patreon, this is your stop to get off. Uh, however, there's still time to go to patreon.com slash if. And sign up for one of our, you know, there's all kinds of levels, very affordable. Uh, You can sign up to um, get all kinds of merchandise, depending on what level you're at. Hoodies, t-shirts, stickers, mugs, etc. We we need a dragonfly level. I think we need to add a dragonfly (laughs) level at the top. (laughs) The the totally unstoppable level. Exactly, exactly. Patreon.com slash what the if. Go check it out. Uh, And everybody, all all the paying tiers get... uh, uh, extended episodes so there's more material coming for you guys uh, behind the scenes stuff and uh, extended adventures coming up um uh gabby would you help us uh help people understand what's happening now the, as we begin the closing ceremonies with all due respect and decorum yeah as we are standing on this new world looking cautiously into the water where we see the gigantic shapes of predatory dragonfly nymphs. We find ourselves abruptly cast in the shadow of a gigantic mature dragonfly, and we cannot help but shout the name of the show. What? Watch out, here comes the dragonfly! Thank you all for listening. Thank you for all your support. Patreon supporters, you are the best. Send in your ideas. Go to our website, too, whattheif.com. You can send us your ideas. Artists, we call upon you to envision the ifs that have come your way. Everyone, have a great week, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>